This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Pastor Phil is now about to bring the word. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. If it's your first time with us here at ABC Church, we give you a really, really warm uh, welcome. I love holidays. How many of you love holidays? All right, okay. I was thinking we could all go on a summer holiday together, all of us. Would that be a great idea? Yeah, we'll all jet off to the sun. Would that be wonderful? Let's try again. I love holidays. Do you? Oh, yes. I love holidays. And in fact, in our family, um, it's good to have a life-work balance, isn't it? Note what I said there. Not work-life, a life-work balance. How many of you know that we live life and work is part of it? It's not... Our life is consumed by work, and we try and wrap our lives around it. Life is there to be lived to the full. And so one of the things that we love doing in the Morgan family is spending time together on our holidays. Whether we're at home or, you know, whatever we, uh, wherever we find ourselves, we always make the time, if we can, as a family to be together um, on weekends and specifically as we go on holidays. And as a family that's on holiday right now, they've gone skiing. Anybody know who it is? Kerry-Ann and the children have all gone skiing, so if you're listening online, Kerry-Ann, during the week, um, it's great. Um, We hope you've got plenty of snow there and that you are enjoying. But, you know, going on holiday, that journey of making it to the airport, I know friends of ours that missed the flight by five minutes today, uh, by five minutes this week going to the airport. But it's a hassle, isn't it? It's a hassle. You get to the airport, you park in the car, and then you have to get in that queue and check in, and you have to select the queue. Have you, have you got that right? You always pick the slow queue. Have you noticed that happens? You're the slow queue with someone who can't find their passport and everything else like that, and it takes ages. You battle through security. You queue uh, finally to get on the plane, and this is the bit I don't understand. You know, When your seats are reserved in in advance, you're not going to get to your seat any quicker if you're queuing out of security to get on the plane. But there's people, the moment they open the gate, don't they, that they head to the the the, um, gate before anybody else. Have you noticed that? So we're that family that hang around right till the end. And we let them all get on. And then we get on and then we put our luggage in. And we struggle sometimes to get the luggage into the compartment, given how much... um, luggage our kids take on holiday with them but we manage to get in and then we finally sit down put our seatbelt on and we're about to relax when this comes up on the screen in front of us have a look at this And gentlemen, on behalf of Thompson Airways and my crew, a very warm welcome on board. I would ask that you please give me your full attention as I run through the safety procedure on board this aircraft. Your seatbelt must be fastened whenever the seatbelt signs are on. Your seatbelt is fastened, adjusted and unfastened like this. We recommend that you keep your seatbelt securely fastened and visible at all times. In the unlikely event of the aircraft having to make an emergency landing, you must adopt the brace position demonstrated on your safety card. 
There are eight emergency exits. Unius exit, which may be behind you, is being pointed out now by your cabin crew. Additional low-level lighting will help you find your way to the exits. Opening the doors in an emergency will automatically inflate the evacuation slides. The slides at the main doors can be used as flotation aids. Your life jacket is located under your seat or beneath your sensor armrest. When instructed, place it over your head. Pass the tapes around your waist and tie securely in a double bow on your left side. Do not inflate your life jacket until you are outside the aircraft. To inflate, pull the red toggle sharply downwards. If it fails to inflate, or if you need to top up the air, blow into this tube. A light and whistle are provided to attract attention. Additional life jackets and flotation cots for small children and babies will be given out by your cabin crew. If oxygen is needed, masks will drop down from the panel above your head. Pulling the mask down will start the flow of oxygen. Put the mask over your nose and mouth and breathe normally. Make sure your own mask is fitted before helping others. Ensure that your mobile is turned off throughout the flight and all other electronic equipment is off for takeoff. Please ensure luggage is not blocking the aisles or exits. Luggage can be placed under the seat in front of you or in the overhead compartment. Take care when placing items as when opened, they may fall out and injure other passengers. Please ensure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your seat back upright and your tray table is folded away. We strongly recommend that you now take a moment to read the safety card before takeoff. This is in your seat area and it shows the brace position, exits, life jackets and oxygen. That's it from us. Enjoy your flight. Isn't she the second cutest kid on earth, isn't she? Isn't she cute, that little Irish girl? Clearly the cutest little kid in church is little Mia that just went out to uh, church earlier on. It reminds me uh, so much of, of her. But uh, did any of you recognise one device that was really important that was portrayed in that video? One device that was really fundamentally important. Oxygen, yeah, there was another item. There was another, their life jacket. The personal flotation device or what we call a life jacket did you know that the earliest recording in history of a life jacket is in sporting magazine in october 1804 where uh, the life jacket was you know sold for the first time in in recorded history obviously you know um, uh, people in uh, other countries used bladders of animals and all kinds of things to uh, give them flotation but that's the first recorded kind of life jacket that's been sold and it wasn't until 1854 
that a man called Captain Ward of the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, and he was an expert in it, created a particular cork vest that was to be used by every lifeboat crew in bad weather in order to provide protection and buoyancy in event of someone falling overboard. And I love the work that the Royal National Lifeboat Institute do. Do you know how many lives a day are saved by the RNLI? 23. 23. It's easy for us to remember. Remember Psalm 23, probably one of the most famous psalms in the Bible. 23 lives a day are saved by over 4,000 volunteers across the country. So next time you're walking on the beach and you see an RNLI volunteer, say thanks for all they do because we might need that service uh, one day for all they do. And if you've got some spare change, throw that in as well because they need £147 million a year to run their organisation. But this was just a cork vest that Captain Ward, Ward had put together. In 1900, a French electrical engineer called Gustave Trouve, he decided to take it further by putting a little battery-powered light and a whistle onto the life jacket in order to support it. Because in your life jacket, there's three things that you need critically to make it work. What's the first thing it needs? Air. It needs buoyancy. And so if you pull the cord when you're on that flight and you need to use it, if you pull the cord, it will inflate. But if you saw from the little Irish lass that was showing us in the video, there was a little pipe to further inflate it if we need it. But there was also two other things attached. It was a whistle. Can you remember that famous scene from Titanic where Rose is there at the end and they're about to leave her because she's freezing and she starts to shout those words? No, she doesn't shout, help. <laughs> she starts to shout, come back, come back. No, is there anybody out there is what Griff shouts, isn't it, from the boat. But she says, come back, come back. And in the end, she fights to get the whistle, doesn't she? And remember, she puts it in and she starts to blow with all her might in order to get attention. But there's a light that's on every life jacket. A light that lets us know that when we need help, someone can come find us. Somebody can rescue us from the storm that we are getting through. Can I ask you, how are you getting on with learning the memory verse for the year? As you know, can I remind you again, we commit as a church here every year to learn one verse together. It's good to memorize scripture, but to memorize this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, that says this, For God, who, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I trust you're getting on okay to learn that verse together. But in this verse, there are three aspects to the light that we discussed um, when I talked last time on this subject in part one. Last time we were together, we talked about God, the light of the universe, how God said, let there be light, and there was light. Secondly, and what we're going to be looking at today, the light of humanity. We're looking at the light that comes to us through Jesus Christ, a spiritual light that comes to light up the world. And then the last time we're together, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be talking about us 
In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, we are the light of the world. Or more importantly, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So turn with me to our text for today that I'm going to base uh, the message on, which is from Psalm 27, verse 1. And I want you to think of this life jacket. I want you to think of Jesus Christ as being our life jacket. And I'm going to finish by talking about that illustration more powerfully to end if I can. But I want us to look at this verse and understand that the Lord is our light and our salvation. Of what shall we be afraid? The Lord is your light and your salvation. Don't be afraid. I'll say it again. Fear not. The Lord is your light and your salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus, the light of the world. The one that came into our hearts and lives, and more importantly, Lord, came to earth 2,000 years ago to bring a light that would be a light to us and our salvation. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that's to to be found in Jesus Christ. Indeed, we declare with a psalmist today, Lord, Lord, we declare the words with him that, Lord, you are our light and our salvation. So, Lord, as we reflect on three aspects of the power of this light this morning, Lord, may your Holy Spirit open up our hearts to understand afresh these truths. Lord, that you are the light, and that if we seek that light, you will come in and dispel darkness in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Isaiah prophesies 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And you can read um, what he writes in Isaiah chapter 9. And he says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. He says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. Now, I know Jesus was quite good looking and might have been radiant or might have been really good, but he wasn't literally a light. He wasn't going around like blinding everybody with what he was, what what he was. What the prophet Isaiah and what the Bible is teaching us is that there are powers of darkness and that there there are powers of light. And Jesus is the prince of light. He brings light into everything that he touches and sees and does. He is literally light in the darkness. And so the prophet Isaiah here is giving a spiritual illustration. When he's saying that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, he's talking about the people of Galilee. And if you read Matthew chapter 4, you can read the fulfillment of this, where um, Jesus hears the news that John the Baptist has been arrested and put in prison. And he quotes this, um, the, um, the writer Matthew quotes this scripture and says, and as he went off to Galilee, Jesus fulfilled this prophecy that was foretold 600 years earlier, that he would be a light to those that were in darkness. And those living in the land of darkness, a light has come. In the same way, John the Baptist is discussed about by um, the Apostle John. And John the Baptist is not the guy that's written the Gospel of John. That's a different John. It's easy to get them mixed up. But the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples, writes about John the Baptist. And he writes in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and he says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. Can you repeat that with me? So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So John the Baptist is a witness of the light that was to come through Jesus Christ. And he continues, verse 9, referring to Jesus, he says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He's talking about his own Jewish nation that he came to there. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that great news? Okay. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh made his dwelling among, among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to his own, says John, but they did not receive him. But he goes on to say, talking about us that have come after him and come to Christ, but to as many as received him, to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who call on his name. You see, Jesus is the source of spiritual light to our world. He is the true light that has come into the darkness to reveal God to us. And if you have your Bible with you today, or you look in your Bible, if you're using a version app, or if you're using an app like the Bible in one year to read your Bible, you will know that your Bible is split up into two parts. It splits roughly just past Psalms here, but it splits to what we call the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, and the New Testament, the New Covenant. The Old Promise which was to the children of Israel, or the seed of Israel, or if you know your Bible, you will know that Jacob had been renamed Israel. And Israel is the father of the Jewish nation with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, etc. And so they were God's chosen people. But the new covenant came. The new promise came when Jesus Christ came into the world as the light of the world and he ushered in a new period in God's plan for the world. And we are privileged as Christians today to be standing this side of the New Testament. That we are not living in Isaiah's day looking for the one who was to come. Looking for the one that was prophesied of him, that he would be a light shining in the darkness. And he goes on to say that he would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, etc., etc. We now are recipients of the new covenant, the new promise. And if we believe in the light that's to be found in Jesus Christ, we can access all that is to be found in Jesus Christ. How cool is that, that there is a new promise for us he ushers in this period he ushers in this period that is no longer the jewish nation that has blessed but he says i will pour out my spirit on all flesh 
all flesh. So no matter who we are, no matter what the color of our skin, no matter, matter what our ethnicity, no matter our social background, no matter who we are today, we can come to Jesus. All who will can come. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So I want to look at this light in closing, as we just look now for just a kind of final 10 minutes that we've got together. What are the qualities that come with the light of Christ, that spiritual light that came into the world as a babe in the manger and grew up and went to the cross and died and rose again and we celebrate that at Easter and he, he is now, is Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf and he's waiting there for his coming which will come again. And he doesn't know when that will be. He's waiting for the Father. Only God the Father knows when the trump will sound. And then we will all be raptured and be caught up to be with him in the second coming of Christ. So when Christ comes, what is it that's going on between now and then? Well, the first thing that Jesus did, he is the light of the new promise. Jesus Christ, if you're taking notes, write this down. He's the light of the new promise promise. I love what Pastor Luther Phillips taught me as a, a young man. He's an apostle that um, had a huge effect on my life. And I remember him trying to explain the difference between the new promise that was ours in Christ and the old promise. And I love this illustration that he used. You see, if you go back on the podcast and you can listen to uh, a message um, that uh, uh, Andrea spoke on the tearing of the veil. I can't remember what it was called when you spoke on it uh, or what the sermon title was, but if you go back, I think it's maybe about 18 months uh, ago, you can read where, um, where Andrea teaches on the tearing of the veil that happened when Jesus Christ uh, had been crucified on the cross. And the Bible teaches us that the Holy of Holies became our dwelling place, and then what happened in Pentecost is the Holy Spirit fell. And one of the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Pastor Luther Phillips um, taught me as a child, was that in the Old Testament, God's Spirit dwelt on men. That God's Spirit would come on different people at different times, different prophets, different people, and the Holy Spirit would fall upon them and cause them to do different things. An example of that is Miriam, when they cross the Red Sea. She starts to prophesy under the Holy Spirit's utterance because the Holy Spirit just comes and falls upon them in that way. But in the new covenant, in the new, pre in the new um, promise, instead of the Holy Spirit dwelling on men, it now dwells in men. The Holy Spirit is in us by his power. He's not selective anymore, saying, well, I'm only going to pick... Abraham, or I'm only going to pick Isaiah, or I'm only going to pick Amos. He comes to all flesh. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So all of us have access to Jesus Christ, who is the light of the new promise. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? So if the Holy Spirit is in us, what does it give us? It gives us power. It gives us power to stand. It gives us power to witness. It gives us 
power to stand against the works of the enemy. In fact, the word of God goes so far as to say, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body and literally bring it into your um, uh, body physical life itself. I have heard stories upon stories upon stories of people that come to faith in Christ and in accepting Jesus Christ, their sight is restored. Or that sicknesses disappear. The work of healing that Jesus, the light of the world, does, that first of all through the new promise, is incredible. Incredible. So Jesus is the light of the new promise. Secondly, he's the light of forgiveness and atonement. Two complicated words that I'll explain to you in a moment how they work. But 1 John, chapter 1, reading from verse 5, says this. Again, John, and this is the same John that writes the Gospel of John. He writes the Epistle of John, and it's that same John that wrote the book of Revelation. We had a vision on the Isle of Patmos. That same John, uh, the Apostle, is writing here. And he says this, this is the message we have heard from him. And declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie, and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus his son, I love this, don't you? Purifies us from some sin. No? All sin. Isn't that wonderful? Purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Jesus Christ is the light of forgiveness and atonement. Now we all understand forgiveness, don't we? It's quite simple. Forgiveness that Jesus tells us is that coming to Christ with a repentant heart, acknowledging that we have done wrong. We can't just rock up to Jesus and say, look, will you forgive me for you know, all the kind of stuff that we do? There's a two-part element to Christian forgiveness that, that requires us to come and ask for repentance. There has to be an acknowledgement that we have done wrong. And so we come to him. And we say, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm sorry that I've put my agenda before yours. I ask you, will you forgive me for the way I've lived my life and come into my heart, Lord Jesus? That's what we do. And some of you here have done that at various different times in your um, life. Some of you have done it last year that are in church today. I had the privilege of leading you to the Lord. And others of you are maybe... I was going to say decades, and I wasn't going to go centuries. There's nobody that's that old. But can you remember the time when you put your faith in Christ and what it was like to step over the line of salvation? Because when you did that, you became one with Christ. The atonement. I love the word atonement. You can split it up, if you like, to three little, little meanings to it. At one meant. Yeah. At one 
meant. It was always the plan of God for atonement, split it up at one meant, that God would reconcile us to himself through Jesus Christ. So the two that are apart, he brings Jesus and me together in wonderful fellowship <laughs> and communion. How cool is that? How cool is that? And we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let me repeat it again. But to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How amazing is that, that we come to Christ, who is the light of the new promise, the light of forgiveness and atonement. And finally, he is the light of reconciliation. He is the right of, he is bringing two back together as one as it was intended. John 1 verse 9 to 12 goes on to say, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the the children of God. He reconciles. He brings two people back together again that were never meant to be apart. You see, God's plan for us, if you go all the way back to Genesis, was that God and us were to live together in perfect, perfect relationship and harmony. That was his plan. But because of sin coming into the world, because of our own disobedience, the Bible tells us that we are all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But because of that, sin is in our very DNA, literally. It is in our DNA, spiritually, that we want to rebel. Because how many of you went to that classroom in school and learned how to lie? That they say, this is how you lie. Did, did you go to that class? Or did you instinctively, the youngest of children, when they grow up, one of the first words they learn is no. Have you heard that? No. Rebellion is in our very DNA. So you didn't go to a class that was about lying. You didn't go to a, last, a class about stealing either, did you? Or how to be nasty to people. How is it we are hardwired to do these things? It's the curse of sin. That's on our lives. But thanks be to God, when we come to Christ, we're freed from the power of sin. We are freed from the penalty of sin. And one day, one day we will be free from the presence of sin. When there's a new heaven and there's a new earth and there'll be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more shame, no more guilt. We will reign and rule with Jesus Christ through the work of his reconciliation of making two one. I want to take you back, if I can, in finishing, to the life jacket. You've got a whistle, church. You've got a light on your life jacket. Are you using it? Are you using it? The reason the light has been put on that life jacket is so in the middle of the storm or in the middle of the ocean, particularly if you're in darkness, you don't need it in the daytime. You're sat there with a big yellow inflatable on. We can see you. But in the night, we can't see you. 
but the light that we have in Jesus Christ is our perfect flotation device for life. Are you using it? You might be drowning in debt and financial difficulty today because of the choices that you made, because of the circumstance you find yourself in. You can come to Christ, and Christ will give you a new way to organise your finances based on his rules. Come and see us after. If you're in difficulty, we'd be delighted to point you to so many organisations that are here to help you. Others are hit by a tsunami of cancer or illness or even grieving because of a lost loss of a loved one. Or some of you are maybe in a dead-end job. You don't know where it's going and you're struggling to come up for air. He is your light and your salvation if you ask him. Will you ask him with me today? Come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you indeed sent Jesus Christ into the world to be our life vest. Lord, that when the storms and circumstances of life come our way, Lord, that we can reach out and rest to you. Lord, I pray for each person that's in this room right now. Lord, those that want to come to you, Lord, and they come to you with all their needs, with all their failings. Lord, you see us and you see our hearts. Lord, will you be our light and our salvation today so that we do not fear, so that we can rest in the security that's in Jesus Christ for our family, for our relationships, for our finances, for our health, for our career, for all that we have in life. Oh God, may the power that's in Jesus' light of the world that came in, Lord, to bring a new promise, to bring atonement and forgiveness and brought reconciliation between God and man, may you flood into our hearts today in a new way as we refresh our thoughts on you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.